if you went to a, a different department and wanted to progress something and they went, you can't do that. This is not, we can't do this. We've done this before, you can't do it. What we learned to use is to say, let's give this a couple of days. I'll book us a half hour. I'll bring in your coffee next week. Just think about it. Think of ways we may be able to change how we're doing it and still achieve the same result. I'm Shannon Lucas. And I'm Tracy Lovejoy. And we're the co-CEOs of Catalyst Constellations, which is dedicated to catalyzing innate change makers to accelerate positive change. This is our podcast, Move, Move Fast, Fast, Break, break Shit, Burnout, where we highlight amazing catalysts that are creating change in the world. And I'm super excited to have time to reconnect with Jean-Marc Landry. During his 20-year career, Jean-Marc has amassed an extensive background in customer service, having led customer experience, customer innovation, marketing, research, product development, sales, call center teams, both regionally and internationally. We heard today he would spend time in Mauritius. He's now in the role of chief customer officer. He's responsible for providing strategic leadership in the development of a customer-centric culture at NB Power. He leads the customer relations team, energy efficiency services, product and service development and management, sales, marketing, and the corporate brand functions. And he serves as the key interface between his customers and the corporation. It's so good to reconnect with you and having you here today, Jean-Marc. Well, thank you. It's so great uh, reconnecting with you as well. Awesome. So we always like to start off by just like understanding how do you relate to the concept of catalyst? Well, I went through a bit of a transformation myself, to be honest. Uh, most of my career, I, I was taught that doing work, there were certain ways of that I thought I had to get my work done. There was an approach that was that was embedded in, inside companies and when uh, and in terms of how to get work done. And then when I started a, a new role in customer innovation, I was able to actually meet people like yourself, Shannon, that made me realize that those those long-held conventions for how work should be done, they're just that, that you can you don't really need to follow all those rules and all that bureaucracy. You can just get to work and prove people that you can get better work, better outcomes um, by doing things in actually a much more fun and engaging way. It's so true. And just like, as I hear you talk about like the freedom that it gives you, the space that it gives you to have that, to have that recognition. Absolutely. Like uh, I used to say that my old company was uh, the, the document company and I didn't work for that one. I worked for another one that loved to write long documents that no one read. And why would you spend your time doing that when you can spend your time actually getting stuff done and proving stuff to people done. that, yeah, proving to people that you can do, you can achieve great results in a matter of a few weeks rather than spending a month writing a document that no one will read. So Amen to that. Amen. Yes. <laughs> Catalyst, there's other ways to do it. Yes. So we'd love to hear about, normally we talk about what people are catalyzing these days, but as we were prepping for this, you have so many great stories of things that you've done and lessons learned, which is really the goal of the, of the podcast. So like, tell us a little bit about some of the successes that you've had and maybe some of the challenges and lessons that went along with it. Yeah, so absolutely. So when I, I was asked to stand up a customer innovation function at my previous employer and it wanted to really modernize how the types of products they sold and how they sold them, their experiences. Um, I had seen innovation teams being propped up and being disassembled a few years later. And I thought, I, want, I don't want that to happen to me. I want to create something that's going to work and it's going to deliver value and that 
will be enduring. So I actually, through my research, landed on um, the concept of an intrapreneur that, geez, I thought this is exactly my job. And I ended up going to a few conferences where I met people like yourself and made me realize that I had a lot of weight on my shoulders for as one guy trying to modernize an entire company when the rest of the employees were running it. And I, when I saw your presentation, in fact, Shannon, it was regarding your innovation champions program. And I thought, what a great way to democratize this whole pressure that I have on my back. I want, when I'm on vacation, I want other people to be thinking this way. I want initiatives happening left, right, and center that I can't keep track with. And so we put together, a, called it an actually an innovation catalyst program. So we, I brought in someone who's now a good friend from HR that is really great at facilitating things in a fun and engaging way. And she worked with what we learned from Shannon and what we learned from others subsequently and built uh, a program where we actually recruited bright-eyed, half-glass-full kind of people from across the company. And we started with really small, with eight people. And that, that was our first cohort. And we learned by doing, and we fixed the program as we learned. And then it started, people started talking. We gave these people a hoodie with a special logo on it. And then other people started asking about it. And we gave ourselves a goal to train 100 employees on these methods in a few years. Why 100? Because people, it's an easy number. People can, can remember 100. Um, so as we went along, we trained people and we actually started seeing some wins. Our internal audit manager was our very first win. She came back and said, I can shave two weeks off of an audit cycle, which allows me to do other great work. Then we had procurement, uh, making updates to the RFP process, finance. And all of a sudden we were getting these wins. And so that was generating a lot of momentum. So that one of the bigger I'd say bigger impact wins is uh, one of the catalysts approached me and said, my brand revenues are, are eroding. I'm concerned. I think the experience is really shitty for our customers. And I've been wanting to dig into the customer experience and dig into the journey for a long time. And my boss doesn't see the value. He thinks we should launch a new side product or make other changes. So we said, perfect. Let's show up on Friday early morning. Come in at 7.30. We'll, we'll, we'll hack away at this problem. We'll try to get to some, some key opportunities. So we did a journey map, and we probably identified maybe five or six pretty big pain points. Um, and the way we, by the way, the way we uh, qualified the pain points were, is it, is it a mosquito bite, dog bite, or shark bite? So how bad is it? How painful is it? And by implementing fixes, one of which was a completely redesigned uh, mobile experience and how you, how you engage with this product, we rate that brand actually, the sales turned around and they hit subsequently hit an annual, um, all-time annual sales records because yeah, they did a bunch of changes, one of them being this great experience, but those, those, that session led to some, some really great uh, results for that brand, yeah. 
And um, as you were as you're going out to those hundred people, I mean, I think you've heard us talk about like, you know, the, the entrepreneurship, the innovation champion program that I had, like one of the lessons that I learned was actually not all the people who raise their hands to participate in programs like that um, show up the same way. And there's different skill sets. It's not that it's good or bad, but I'm just wondering sort of what your experience was as you were, you know, identifying, connecting and supporting those entrepreneurs. Yeah, totally. Um, we realized after a while that people were really enjoying going through the, the training and the, the, the program. They were loving it. But when they went back to their day jobs, they weren't implementing, implementing the approaches as much as we thought they would or they should be. And we realized, yeah, they're, they probably are over, you know, they have more work they think than they can focus on and they don't really have the time carved out to actually do it. But I'd say about, we called them super users. We probably would have had 10 people that really changed how they did their work and continued working with us in the years following on projects that didn't even impact them, but they would raise their hands and they would yeah. facilitate sessions. They would go out and organize customer immersion interviews. And that 10% was, uh, I think, similar to a number you had shared as well. Yeah. So we tried doing things like getting their leaders to put it on their performance plans. We tried to, to do different things to profile them. And I just think it just, it is what it is. We had about 10% of people that, guess what? They were, they were really fired up by this and they continued using the approaches moving forward. Yeah, that's exactly, as you know, I mean, it's so great to reconnect now because the work that I'm doing was sort of like the, the continuation of the cliffhanger, the problem that I was trying to solve when we first met, which was which was this problem. Um, and I will say, I mean, it's so interesting. There's a lot that we've learned about how to support and sort of level up and focus really first on the catalyst program. And then of course you go out and do the training and you want people exposed to design thinking in all of the different ways so that when you're talking to their customer, they understand what you're, what you're doing, but, the, but focusing on this core catalyst group and the amplification that it, that it has. Um, and it, I circle back to what you said, because the other thing for the catalyst is it's the freedom to actually operate and work in the ways that are innate in us, right? That experimentation yeah. mindset, the dot connecting, it's like, those are the things that when you were saying like, well, when I started in my career, I didn't realize basically that everyone else didn't do this and they were working a different way. And so it was really liberating when I could find like, oh, I can work in a way that supports and leverages my superpowers, which is what I hear you saying about those catalysts that you connected. They just took that and never went back, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you want to shed some of those conventions, like just, just the, there's so many rules inside a company. There's really important rules. And then there are rules that are created that no one really understand why they are what they are. And so you just have to, 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 to plow through it and believe that what you want to do is the right thing. And you're not going to make the company explode and know the prime minister of Canada is not going to call you because you, what you're doing is the right thing and just works. Like one time our communications department asked us not to do customer immersion interviews in a certain certain part of our of our geography and we thanked them and went straight there because we wanted to just just show them that we had four customer interviews nothing's going to explode here and they're actually just interviews we're not sharing anything and so you shouldn't be this uptight about uh, about the situation that's right. And, and, and it's so funny how afraid organizations can be of talking to customers. But one of the things that we did prove was we actually helped the revenue growth because we were no longer talking to IT and procurement who for the pro things that I was selling, it was like price. 
after you're already in there, it's a price conversation. Whereas when you're talking with a line of business units who actually could like, you know, 10 X their revenue on the customer side, and you show them how to do that, you know, but it's just like, it's really funny that people are so afraid to talk to customers. So I'm wondering as you went through that and like, you know, with the, with the experience of hindsight, like what are some of the key learnings that you would pass on to Catalyst who were, you know, starting where you were back then? Um, I'd say that over time we learned this and we changed how we approached the situations I'll describe, which is one of the things is to work with people because the minute that if you went to a a different department and wanted to progress something and they went, you can't do that. This is not, we can't do this. We've done this before. You can't do it. Don't engage in in an argument. Don't, don't even engage. What we learned to use is to say, Let's give this a couple of days. I'll book us a half hour. I'll bring in your coffee next week. Just think about it. Think of ways we may be able to change how we are doing it and still achieve the same result. That was a trick that really worked well, I'd say. Linked to that, I'd say uh, we started focusing on making them look good rather than making us look good. We took no credit after a while and went, this was, you know, Joey, or this was Mike, or this was Julie that did this amazing work, or that helped us do this. Really want to, we really want to profile you, and we actually even created the unofficial, unsanctioned by HR Innovation Awards, where we built trophies ourselves and just recognized people for for doing good stuff and and shedding those conventions. Like I said, um, the the one thing I also learned to exercise, uh, one, one quality was, uh, resilience. Mm. Uh, resilience was probably what I never realized I would need to use the, this tool as much as I had to, because inevitably people that are in the core operations that are super busy and rightly so delivering all those profits that they are delivering to the company, which is amazing. They, they tend to look at initiatives like this and say, oh, look at them. They're having all that fun. They're yelling and hollering and they're, everyone's laughing. I wish, you know, deep inside, maybe they think, I wish I could have that experience. But for the right reasons, they're really busy. And then the other one was uh, as, cha- as people changes happen in senior ranking roles and new people come in, you had to resell your story every single time. You had to demonstrate value every single time. And I found, I found that at about the 18-month mark that I started needed, needing to show quick wins. And that became a theme, this quick wins theme where, wait a minute, this is not what we agreed to a year and a half ago. And all of a sudden, we had to change gears. And we did. And we actually, it, it worked. But uh, I'd say resilience is something to prepare for, prepare to, be resi- to have to be resilient and have to be a salesperson and sell your story over and over again. Yes, I would say, I'm, I want to unpack the resilience thing. I used to say to people when I was at Vodafone, like 50% of my job leading innovation was marketing and 50% of that yeah. marketing was internal. I mean, it just is. You are constantly going around and explaining and bringing people on in the journey, which we talk about in the book. Um, I'm curious, like, how, how did you develop resiliency and, and do you have advice for other people? I mean, that's, a, that's needed now for the whole world more than ever, but it's particularly true for catalysts. Well, in, in your, uh, actually in your podcast and your book, the word burnout yeah. is uh, rang true to me, right. I'll tell you, because it gets, it 
it gets really heavy and really difficult. Like you go home wondering, will I have a job next month? Because that's how you feel because you're hearing these comments and these questions over and over again. So for me, building with resilience was out of, out of being in that, in that zone many times and having to, you know, lace up my shoes and go back to work the next day and still try to drive this, this new way of working and try to drive some of the mindset change that, that we had to do. Not knowing that after the fact, now I know. And as we continue trying to make change, make change happen, um, I come into it knowing that resilience is going to be important. So I offer that up to your to your listeners. Listeners, yeah. And how lucky for the organization and the people that you're leading right now, because that's a great uh, leadership trait that we need more leaders embodying right now. Yes. Yeah, All absolutely. Right. Well, I'm going to hand it over to Tracy for the lightning round. Thank you so much. Thank you. Lightning round, Jean-Marc. You ready? You ready? Let's go. All right. In two minutes or less, what are some actionable nuggets of advice that you have for catalysts out there? Said another way, what do you wish you'd known at 20? Yeah, I said, uh, I talked a little bit about it, but um, inject fun, uh, make others look good. I'd say be ready to, to face the storm dead on because you'll, you'll be facing the storm when you least expect it. Mm. Um, and for those rules that maybe would be the rules that can be challenged and everyone kind of says, try to just quietly break them yourself and just prove to even yourself that you don't really need to follow all those, the, the exceptional rules that uh, seem to exist in all the organizations. I love that. How do you know which ones won't get you fired? Right. <laughs> I don't know. I think we just all know them from the, the companies we work, we work when work in regularly. There's the core core stuff. You don't want to, you don't want to definitely don't want to impact, but some of these, these self-made rules and some of these self-made processes, if you know, there's a better way, just go and do it. We actually gave an award. We called it the honey badger award because someone in our, um, in our communications team just got shit done. She thought this process doesn't work for our customers. They hate it. And I'm just going to go ahead and change it. And she did. And she made a huge improvement to customer experience. And uh, so we created this special category, the Honey Badger Award for her. And she just got it done. I love it. It's, it's such a cool idea, that notion of recognition for people who are creating positive change. Um, and I'd say for our listeners, something to look for, maybe ask in interviews of, you know, do you ever celebrate folks who make amazing positive change? Absolutely. Um, we, when we created those awards, there would have been five different categories. We did it because we thought they were doing really great work. So we, we set up the awards, we built them ourselves. One of them was the pain reliever award. The winner got the little trophy and a bottle of Tylenol. And that hit the mark with them. Like they didn't get a thousand dollar bonus. They got in, they got a cheap award, but they got, they got it with us using a lot of four letter words in a session, inviting their bosses. Everyone had a blast. It took 10 minutes and away they went and they still talked to me about it. I had a conversation the other week with one guy that got one of those awards and he still, you know, he still remembers that. What a cool way to really, um, it, you know, share with everyone the things that you value. Uh, outside of maybe the stated values. So thank you for sharing that. All right. What advice do you have for executives in finding and leveraging their catalysts? That's a good question. I'd say uh, look for those people that are, that are always, uh, they're, they're, 
delivering results today and they just want to deliver more results. They are the, they're always hunting. Try to find those people that are always hunting and not never, you know, they can, you can be satisfied with something. They're always looking for their next, how can I make that better now? How can I do this better outside of their area of responsibility? And I find with those people is they don't really need a lot of direction. They actually would rather self-direct and attack the problem themselves. Give me the big goal. That's fine. And let me, let me have at it because they're going to go over and above to find solutions that are over and above what people normally do. Fantastic advice. All right. What's the worst part about being a catalyst? Get tired after a while. It, uh, you, you can get, uh, you know, when the, those peaks and valleys and the valleys can, can get a little long and a little deep. We, uh, we had a small team of we we're about four or five at a given point, and we could each see each other experiencing a valley. And we would pull each other out of those by just doing fun things. One guy at around 10, 15 a.m., he packed up his bag. He left the, the building, came right back in and said, good morning, everyone. How is our day going? And that was a way for us to laugh about that. We were, we were all kind of cranky and we we're all going through something difficult. And he wanted to get us out of it. But to have that support network that looks for those times and kind of does their part to pull you back to a positive state. And I think the next day you come in in that mindset and ready to go. I love that so much. Shannon and I talk about the catalyst often can be lone wolves, right? When you're someone who is a hunter like that and solving problems, you're out on the edge of where an organization is. And so part of what I hear you talking about is the power of having a group of catalysts so you understand the shared experience and you may not all be in a state of burnout or low resilience at a single time, but you're looking for it and supporting one another. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, it feels good in my body. I would have loved to have had that. <laughs> and you, there's different ways of doing it. As long as it's, it's in a way that's uh, we always try to find a way to, to just break whatever cycle we were in and we put on a ping pong tournament or we go down the street for, for lunch, or we go visit a company and just knock on their door and talk to them. And that would, that would just change all the entire air in the room. Yeah. Yeah. Energy up. The fact that you know the things that would give people energy is yet another amazing, amazing kind of sideways piece of advice. I love it. All right. So what's the best part about being a catalyst? My favorite part of being a catalyst is that you're always thinking of a better way. It's this constant feeling of optimism and of like improving things or making things better or, and whatever it may be, it could be an internal process or, or a new product, or it doesn't matter really. It's this, this constant drive internally to make things better. And that, that just helps you on your day-to-day work as well, because you're, you're filled with positive energy and positive, I'd say positive optimistic mindset. I, that's, it's an internal feeling, but I don't think you can get any better than that. It is. It's such a good feeling. And it, it, I imagine what it must feel like to work in your organization with you as a leader and, you know, as a catalyst who has those ideas unrealized, it's stifling. But to be in an environment like I hear you talking about building and being allowed to kind of go after that and be a little bit of a rule breaker, whew, that feels good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, companies have big problems and they've got a lot of people using existing approaches to doing things. You need someone that's going to bring in a new 
a new way of doing things in a different way that makes could make people feel uncomfortable. That's not by design, but it's definitely going to bring in new ways of thinking and new ideas. And that's how you're going to solve those problems. Amazing closing sentiment to this section. Thank you for that gift. As we wrap that's up right. in our time today, Jean-Marc, are there any, is there an action, a call to action for our listeners that you'd like to share? Call to action is uh, just get on with it. That's the first words I heard from uh, someone that, we, that worked at a consultancy we, we worked with, their CEO, in fact. And I asked him, I said, like, how do I know if this is going to work? How do I, what, do you have any case studies? He said, oh, come on, just get on with it. You'll see it for yourself. And I'd say that's the best way to do it. Just learn by doing, adjust as you go, stay humble and reach for the stars, I think is the, the best formula. I want to package that up with a bow. It is so beautiful and amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for being here with us. I know I'm super excited, Shannon, super excited to continue to watch the progress of making NB Power really a customer-centric culture and the ways that you're doing that. So thank you for, for sharing what's happening there today. My pleasure. We're well on our way as it is, and we're just going to add to that great progress. That's exactly what I, what I was feeling as well. And thank you so much to our listening audience. If you'd like to learn more about how to accelerate positive change, go to our website at www.catalystconstellations.com. And be sure to check out our book, Move Fast, Break Shit, Burnout. If you have other catalysts in your life, hit the share button and send a link their way. Thanks again. Thank you.